comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afuakwa. Pastor Afuakwa is the general overseer of Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry in Kumasi, Ghana. God has commissioned him to preach and teach the word of faith for people to know God better, live life better, and impact their world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. I'll be speaking on running with vision. Running with vision. I realize that I have not taken time to, as it were, teach about our vision as a church. In the book of Proverbs 28, verse 18, Proverbs 28, 18, he said, where there is no vision, the people perish. Turn to your name and say, where there is no vision. Say, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Old, perish. Young, perish. Rich, perish. Poor, perish. Intelligent, perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Vision is vital for life. The lifeline of every person. And the lifeline of every organization is vision. Praise God. Vision is so vital for life. When you have no vision, you cease to exist. Life is without meaning. Life is without significance. Life will not take you far without a vision. A life void of vision is a life heading for destruction. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. God has ordained and set, has ordained or set a race before all of us. In the book of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Wherefore see we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race set before us. Somebody say the race. Say the race. So God has set a race before every one of us. Everyone. He said, I know the plans I have for you. Plans of good and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Your future, God's future for your life is in his vision for your life. That is where it is. He says, I have ordained a path for you to walk in. And that path is in your vision for life. In my vision for you. I have a plan for you. It is a good plan. It is give, to give you a future and a hope. Now may I ask you. If you, for, if you are unable to discover this plan. What will become of you? Your future is gone. Your hope cannot be secured. And I pray that in this month of anniversary. As we celebrate God and as we thank him. His vision for your life will become very clear. Can somebody give me an amen here? Amen. An understanding of God's vision for your life very early is very vital. 
Life will always be a burden without a bearing. Life will always be a burden without a bearing. When you don't know what, where you are going, anywhere you get to will look like it. It takes vision to reach your destination. And not just any destination, but the destination ordained by God for you. You can be driving to a place only to get there and realize that that's not your ultimate destination. It takes a vision. There are people who are living the life God has ordained for other people. And I pray that you will live your own life. Some people are living the vision of their parents for them. So, they make money out of it, but they are not fulfilled. They seem to be getting everything looks okay on the outside, but every day they wake up going to do something they are not happy doing. The Bible says in the book of Joel, chapter 2, and verse number 7, it said, they shall run like mighty men. Maybe we should start from the beginning. He said, blow the trumpet. This gives us a prophetic picture of what is happening in the last days. Joel 2 verse 1, please. He said, blow the trumpet in Zion. Zion is where the church. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord cometh. It is now at hand. Look at verse 2. He said, a day of darkness and of gloominess. A day of clouds and of thick darkness, as the morning spread upon the mountains. A great people and strong. Somebody say, a great people. And strong. This is a prophetic picture of the people of God. A great people and strong. May you fulfill your destiny of greatness. May you fulfill your destiny of strongness. A great people and strong. A great people and strong. But without a vision, these great people will die as nobodies. You won't be a victim. I said you will not be a victim. He said there had not been ever the like. Neither shall there be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. That's what a vision does. When you live a life of vision, many years after you are dead and gone, many generations, they will still be mentioning your name. That's why we still call on Nkrumah. There are monuments that are built to his credit. He's long dead and gone, but people are still, there are things, you can, you can kill Nkrumah, you can do anything, but there are things that are, are tangible to manifest that one man lived in Ghana many years ago, and his name was Dr. Kwame Nkrumah. Why? Because he was a man of vision. Praise God. Martin Luther King said, I have a dream that one day on the streets of Alabama, the black and the white will be doing this together. And today, many years after he's dead and gone, his dream is a reality. Life without a dream is a life with no future at all. Vision is vital for life. Vision gives you hope. Vision gives you a reason to live. Vision. He said, a fire devoured before them, and behind them a flame burned. The land is as a garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. Yea, nothing shall escape them. Verse 4. Let's read it together. One go. He said, The appearance of them is the appearance of horses, and as horsemen, so they shall run. Verse 5. Set in battle array. Verse 6. Before their face, the people shall be mad pain. 
and all faces shall gather blackness. Look at verse 7. They shall run like mighty men. Men of war. They shall march and they shall not break down. That's, that's, that's a key word. They shall march every man on his way. Every man on his way. Whose way are you on? Whose life are you living? Whose purpose are you fulfilling? They shall run every man on his way. And they shall not break their run. They shall march every man on his way. Every man on his way. May you find God's ordained way for you. I said, may you find God's ordained path for you. One of the greatest disasters that can happen to you in life is to live a life void of purpose. To go through the motions, die and then be buried and have no impact whatsoever in your generation. It takes a life of vision to live a meaningful life. Praise God. Takes vision to identify and follow the course of God for our lives as individuals and corporately as a church. What is true for individuals is also true for organizations. And I'll be zeroing in specifically as it relates to us. To run the race set by God before us as a commission, it's important that every one of us, every member in our church, gets to understand gets to know, understand, own, and then be able to run with our vision. Praise God. Why do we exist as a church? What is it that we are seeking to achieve? What are the things we commit our resources to? What is the reason that keeps us coming here week after week, Sunday after Sunday, Tuesday after Tuesday? What is it that we are seeking to achieve? That's what I want to walk you through. Praise God. Vision brings oneness. Somebody say vision brings oneness. Say vision, vision brings oneness. Yeah, vision brings oneness, which is the foundation for the accomplishment of great things in life. Nothing great can ever be accomplished without oneness. The Bible says in the book of Genesis chapter 11 verse 6, he said, behold, the people is one. And that which they have imagined to do, he said, and nothing shall be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Behold, the people is one. May we come into oneness. May we all be one in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I hear believing amen here? Amen. He said the people is one and that which they have imagined to do. Nothing shall be taken away from them. Great things can only be accomplished when a group of people are one in their thoughts, one in their deeds, one in their pursuits. And we see that in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 10. This unity and confusion abounds wherever there is no vision. He said, now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we speak the same thing. Somebody say, speak the same thing. Say it louder. Speak the same thing. Uh Speak the same thing. How can we speak the same thing when we understand the vision? That there be no divisions among you. How can there be no divisions among us when there is a clear vision? That we be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. How can we speak the same thing? How can we, how can there be no divisions amongst us? How can we be perfectly joined together in one mind and in the same judgment? It will only be possible when our vision is clear and when our vision is well understood. 
Look at what the Bible says. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. He said, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and I will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. He says, then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision. Somebody say, write the vision. Say, write the vision. Uh Uh-huh. Make it plain upon tables that he may run that read it. Write the vision. Make it plain upon tables that he may run that read it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it because it will surely come and it will not tarry. So it shall be in our lives. The vision is for an appointed time. But for it to become a reality, we must run with it. That's what I'm teaching on running with vision. We must run with the vision. How can we run with the vision? First, we must understand it. Somebody say understand it. Yeah, understand it. Write it. Make it plain. Make it plain. In other words, make it understandable. Make it readable. Make it plain that we may run that read it. What is our vision as a church? Faith House, what's our vision? When you look at this side, you see something written there. How many of us can see that? Turn there and look at it. What do we have written there? One, we say what? Okay, that's, that is an abridged version of it. Something that you can easily say. That's what it is. But there is a more comprehensive aspect of it. And I'll be digesting some aspects of it to you. Our vision as a church is to build modern world of faith. Contemporary, culturally relevant and excellent churches. Where people from all nations can be brought in, brought up and sent out. Are you following? Let's read it together. One go. Our vision is to build. Culturally relevant and excellent churches where people from all nations can be brought in, brought up, and sent out. Now, it's important you understand this. You need to understand it because everything we do, this is a driving force. If you are going to build a church, how the church is going to build, this is a thing that informs it. If you are running a program, while we are running the program, that is what informs it. If you are buying equipment, this is what drives it. So you need to understand it. Because when you don't understand it, when you are doing things, you may not understand why we do the things we do. Praise God. You can easily have problems with us when you don't understand why we exist and why we do what we do. When we say we are receiving an offering, if you don't understand our vision, you will not appreciate it. So understanding our vision is critical. That. Ten key words in this vision statement that I need to highlight, but we can touch on only one. Ten key words. One, the first key word is build. Build. That's number one. Build. Number two is model. Number three, word of faith. Number four is contemporary. Number five, culturally relevant. Somebody say culturally relevant. Uh Every one of them, you need to understand it. Then, 
We have excellent. Somebody say excellent. Say excellent. Good. Number seven, all nations. Say it, all nations. Say all nations. Say all nations. Good. Brought in. Somebody say brought in. Brought up. And sent out. Those are ten important words that are very, very significant. Words and phrases that are very, very important to us as a church. Very, very important. Very important. And as a member of this church, you need to understand it very well. Why is it that? Because I have people come to me. Pastor, I think when you do interpretation service, it will work. This is why we don't do it. Yeah. This is why we don't do it. It's not that it's bad to do interpretation. But this, there is a reason for why we do what we do. And you should be able to explain it to somebody. As a church member, when somebody asks you, why is it that your pastor, he only teaches in English? You should be able to explain it to the person. Yeah. It's not because of anything. The key word is build. Somebody say build. I will need about two sessions to finish. Build. 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 What does it mean to build? To build is to construct. To build is to form. To build is to create something. That's what it means. To build is to construct, to form, or to create something. That's what it means to build. That's what it means. To build means create, form, or establish something. To build also means to establish or bring something into existence. That's what it means to build. To build is to bring something into existence or to establish. That's what it means. This church was not there before. It is the vision to build church that has created this. Yeah, that's why we have the church. And it's the same reason why we are also establishing churches. Amen? That's why we have established a church in Accra. We have established a church in Kwamo. And we'll still be establishing churches. Can somebody give me an amen? Because of our vision, our vision is to build. What are we building? So we are saying to build means to bring something into establishment, to bring something into existence, to form or to create something. That's what it means to build. Now, what are we building? Are we building schools? Are we building motorcycles? Are we building cars? What are we building? We exist basically and primarily to build churches. Somebody say build churches. Say build churches. Yeah, that's what primarily we do. Our tithe, our offerings, everything we have, everything we do, what we use it for essentially is building churches. That's basically what this church is about. This is vital for your being here and it will open you up so that you can understand. It's always difficult to lead a people who don't understand you. Always difficult. Always difficult. I don't want to lead you, when you don't understand me, you need to be on the same page with me so that when I speak, the moment I speak, you know where we are going. Simple as that. That's why I'm taking this time to really bring you a clear understanding of the picture we have in mind and where we are going. What are we building? We exist to build churches. Somebody say build churches. You see, you will always be one of two persons in life. Everybody, you either be a builder or a destroyer. Everybody in life. It's either you are consciously building something or you are consciously destroying something. You cannot be neutral. 
Life gives no place for neutrality. You are either building something or you are destroying it. The Bible says there is time for there is an opportune time to do things. A right time for everything on the earth. A right time from birth. The Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 to 5. A right time for everything on earth. Verse 2. He says, a right time from birth for birth and another for death. A right time to plant, another to reap. He said, a time to kill, another time to heal. A right time to destroy and another to construct. Very important. Everything we do as a church is targeted at building and not destroying. Amen? Yeah. When you come here as a church member, our focus is to build you up. We build, how do we build churches? We build churches essentially by building people. Because we understand that people form the church. Yeah, so we build people. Every service we have here, the focus of the service is to build you. And shape you to become the kind of person God has ordained you to become. That's what informs the kind of message we do. That's what informs the kind of programs we do. You need to understand that very well. Once you understand it, anytime something is going on, you will easily understand. When I come to you and say, tomorrow, this is what we are doing. You don't struggle participating. You are all out for it. This teaching is so important to me than any teaching I've done here. Because when you don't get this, you cannot be blessed here. And I will also find it very difficult to lead you as your pastor. We exist, we build churches by building people. Now, 10 reasons why we exist to build churches. 10 reasons why. And we are getting into the word of God now because the vision is from scripture. It's not a, an empty human concocted word. It's a, from scripture. 10 reasons why we exist to build churches. That means that as a member of this church, your commitment must be building the church of God. Once you come here, your primary commitment must be to build the church of God. Everything you do in this house must be targeted at building the church of God. When you come here and your actions and inactions are said that they are trying to destroy what you are building, you know that you are not fulfilling the vision of this house. Are you following what I'm saying here? Yeah, if you begin to act in a way that will go to destroy the thing we are building, you know that you are acting contrary to the vision of this house and you may not be comfortable at all. Amen. Ten reasons why we build churches. One, it's God's dearest institution on earth. It is God's dearest institution on earth. God could have done anything. When Jesus came, he made one important statement. He said, I will what? Build my church. And the gate of hell shall not prevail. He could have decided to build anything. Build airplanes, build houses, build cars, build any kind of thing. But he said, I will build my church. Somebody say, I will build my church. It is the dearest institution to God. Everything matters to God. But the thing that is most important to God is the church of God. Look at Psalm 132, verse 12 and 13. And it means that if it matters to God, it must also matter to you. He said, for the Lord had chosen Zion. Zion is uh, used in scripture sometimes to represent the church. He said, for the Lord had chosen Zion. He has desired it for his habitation. And look at verse 14. He said, this is my rest forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. Praise God. God has desired the church to be the place of his habitation. In the Old Testament, there was something called the ark. 
And the ark was a symbol of God's presence. That's where God decided to dwell. But in our era, God does not dwell just in temples made of hands. We are the temple of the living God. But beyond that, he also expects us to put up a place where his presence can be identified with. Can somebody say an amen? amen? So the dearest institution, please never forget that. The dearest institution to God on the earth is his church. Look at Ephesians. Let's see how he proves it. Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives. Please follow. Husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church. And gave himself for it. When Jesus came to die, he could have died for anything. He decided he would die for the church. That's why anybody who makes himself an enemy of the church automatically becomes the enemy of God. When Paul decided he would rise up against the church, at that time he was so, he decided he would rise up against the church and obtain letters and was persecuting the disciples. You remember what happened to him? Jesus himself appeared to him and dealt with him mercilessly. I tell people all the time, no matter what it is, you may be in the church if you are visiting, fine. But any church you find yourself, never contribute to the destruction of a church. It's risky. Very, very, very risky. Very. Don't. He says, let's look at the New Living Translation. He says, for husbands, this means you love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. Gave up his life. Gave up his life. Gave up his life. Gave up his life. If there's a, you're having problems in the church and you feel that you want to move, move quietly. Somebody say, move quietly. Yeah, move quietly. Speak to the pastor and then let him know what is going on in your heart. And let him, any good pastor, any good pastor who understands what it means to do ministry, when somebody has problems that cannot help him to be blessed in the church, he would easily let you go. Yeah, because me, that's what I do. I don't want to have a church member who is not blessed in the church. I want everybody to be blessed. You wouldn't hear that. I said, I want everybody to be blessed. So, I instruct you, Apostle Paul said, I have not kept back anything that is profitable from you. I have not kept back. My duty as your shepherd is to make sure Sunday, Tuesday, whether I'm here or I'm not, you are fed with what is profitable. What will make your life profitable and what will give you meaningful existence and make you live a meaningful and impactful life. That's my ministry and my assignment to you. And if in the course of discharging that assignment, along the line anything comes up and you cannot receive and be blessed, I will quickly pray for you and escort you. If I must give you transportation, I will help you. So that wherever you go, you can be blessed. Can somebody give me an amen? amen. Very important. Very important. It is the dearest institution to God. Number two, it is the agency for the fulfillment of God's foremost will for all of mankind. It is the agency for the fulfillment of God's foremost will for all of mankind. God's foremost will is the salvation of all. Somebody say the salvation of all. Say the salvation of all. Yeah. God wants all men saved. God wants all men saved. God wants all men saved. Everybody saved. 
Second Peter chapter 3 verse 9. He said, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count him slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Somebody say all. all. Say all. all. All means all. Say God wants all men saved. Those you like, those you don't like. Those who broke your heart, those who mended your heart. Every one of them, your enemies and your friends. God wants all men saved. And I see you becoming an agent for salvation for many. In the mighty name of Jesus. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 1 to 3. He says, Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Verse 3, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God. Verse 4, who will have all men, verse 4, who desires that all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Somebody say, God wants all men saved. God wants all men saved. And you know what? The vehicle for the salvation of all men is the church. Somebody say, the vehicle. Yeah. The church is the medium through which salvation comes into all men. Look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. He said, all power in heaven and on earth is given unto me. Verse 19. Therefore, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. He says, and teaching them to observe all things, whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you, even to the end of the world. So, God has chosen the church to be a channel through which salvation comes unto all men. Number one, I said that we exist to build churches, and the foremost reason is because God's dearest institution on earth is the church. Number two, it is the agency for the fulfillment of God's foremost will for all of mankind. God wants you to prosper. Say amen. amen. God wants you to succeed. Say amen. amen. God wants you to be healthy. Say amen. amen. God wants you to advance. Say amen. amen. But most importantly, God wants you saved. Everybody saved. He's interested in the peace of all men. But most importantly, he wants all men saved. And the church is a vehicle for fulfilling that purpose. Number three, it is the second most important reason why Jesus sacrificed life. The church. It is the second most important reason why Jesus sacrificed his life. The church, the church, the church, the church, the church, the church. I'll be teaching on the breakthrough power of setting your affection on the church. And I'll be showing you how your prosperity and well-being in life is tied to how you handle and you relate to the church of Sunday. The church is a very powerful organization. And when we know how to position ourselves by it, things fall in place without struggle. And that's what I see happening in your life. I said, I see that happening in your life. Amen. It's the second most important reason why Jesus sacrificed his life. The first one, we are told in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. He says, the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. So, we are the reason why Jesus came. He came to seek and to save us. That's number one. 
Again, when you read the book of Mark chapter 10, verse 45, he said, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. That was one reason why Jesus gave his life. For our salvation, for our redemption. But there's a second reason, which is equally very important. Acts chapter 20, verse 28, he says, Take heed therefore to yourselves and to all the flock. This is Apostle Paul. He was speaking a word of warning to the pastors and to the elders of the church of Ephesus. He called them when he was about finishing his ministry. He called them together and said, you leaders and shepherds and pastors of the church, come, I want to tell you something. Take heed to yourself. In other words, be careful. Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock which the Holy Ghost had made you overseers. Can you see that? When you are made an overseer, what it means is that you don't owe anything. Praise God. That's why we don't lead a church with an ownership mentality. This church is not for me. God started it through me, but I don't owe the church. Jesus said, I will build my... The moment I begin to owe the church, the gates of hell will come after me. Yeah, simple as that. The gates of hell will come after you. He says, take heed unto yourselves. Maybe we should read some modern translations. Sometimes when you see the way some pastors run the church and you are there worrying yourself, you, some people even start to fight because they want to defend the church. No, don't try it. The pastor should be, every smart pastor should know that the church is not yours. Praise God. Yeah. It's not. It's not. It's not yours. So you don't handle it. I've never kept the checkbook of the church one day in my house for no reason. Even when we were plenty. And when I say plenty, you understand what I mean? When we were very plenty, at the very beginning of the church, I never kept the money of the church once. Never. I've never been a sole signatory to the account of the church once. Because it's not mine. If it was my, I have my personal checkbook, because that is mine. Can, I cannot just call any church member and do whatever I want with No person, no. It's not mine. It's not my property. I relate to the church like that because that is how it ought to be. He says, so guard yourselves and God's people. Feed them and shepherd God's flock. His church purchased with his own blood over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders. When you are appointed, you can easily be disappointed. When Akufa do appoint you, you can easily disappoint you. You see, there are things people do. If you are a pastor, you are in charge of a church and you run it, listen. It is not only you. Your, li- your whole lineage will be affected. That's why you don't have to make your, bit, your business to go and fight your pastor. If he's doing, pray for him that God will help him. Because whatever negative action he takes on the church, heaven sees it. Are you, uh, can you fight a man more than God can do? When Paul decided to deal with the church, you saw how he came through. And because sometimes in our quest, to defend the church, we also end up doing things that rather brings the curse of God and some punishment upon our lives. No. It's not. It's not. It's not in your power. The Bible says, who are thou before another man's servant? Who are thou before his master, his standard or fallen? Very critical. It's the second most important. Anything Jesus died for must be very valuable. 
Anything. That's why you must not treat yourself. Look at, sometimes when I see a Christian who does not value himself, thinks that, oh, I'm only a sinner saved by grace. Listen, that was before. Now you are saved. You are not a sinner. The blood of Jesus did not just save you to become a sinner saved by grace. He sanctified you and filled you with the Holy Ghost. You are an important person. Can somebody give me an amen here? You, you, you need to have a certain superior mindset. Never look at yourself and bring yourself down. You, can, you must not have inferiority complex as a child of God. Never once. Never once. You think something, something that's not valuable. Uh, uh, Donald Trump will go to market and buy something that's not valuable. Huh? President Kufado will want to buy a watch and will not buy a valuable watch. We are not talking about any of these people. We are talking about God himself. And he didn't just use any price. He didn't use money. He used his own blood to purchase you. So if you were valueless, you think, you know your price, your wealth is the blood of Jesus. That's why you must carry yourself with dignity and honor. That's why you must carry yourself. Don't allow people to look at you and bring you down. And When people bring you down, bring yourself up. Because God has already brought you up. Can somebody give me an amen here? When you have a revelation of what the blood of Jesus has done for you, it changes your perspective. Changes everything. Even when you sin, you are still a child bought by blood. Am I communicating here? Sacrifice his blood. He said he purchased it with his own blood. I'll close with this. It is vital for the transformation of converts to disciples. That's where we'll close it tonight. Vital for the transformation of converts to disciples. Matthew 8, 28, 18. He says, Jesus came and spoke unto them, All power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Verse 19. He says, Therefore, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and unto and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe whatsoever I have commanded thee. When you read some of the translations, it says, Go ye and make disciples of all nations. Make disciples. Somebody say, Make disciples. Make disciples. Uh, the ultimate objective of Christ is to make disciples, not converts. Not converts. A convert is simply somebody who has just come to faith in Christ. Yeah. When you say, Jesus Christ, you are my Lord and Savior, I admit I'm a sinner. That moment you become a convert. But God does not relate to convert or God, his ultimate objective is not to make convert. His ultimate objective is to transform converts to disciples. And that's where the church comes in. You see, we could do a crusade outside and then... Uh, Invite people to be saved. And when they are saved, we can just leave them. But the moment we leave them, we have actually wasted our time. Because what the crusade did was to bring converts. We need to establish churches so that they will be brought in and they will be taught the ways of God. Now, when you look at Matthew chapter 28, let's read it again. Matthew 28. He said, Jesus came and said, All power, go to verse 19. Go ye and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, verse 20, he says, 
Teaching them. Somebody say teaching them. Teaching them. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. That's what the church does. It is only in the church you will be taught to observe the things God has commanded you. At a crusade ground, we preach for you to be saved. When you are saved, we must bring you to a church where you be fed. One, you'll be taught who you are in Christ. You'll be taught what you have in Christ. You'll be taught what God expects you of you. Now that you are saved. Am I complicating somebody at all? That's very important. That's why we come to church. So, one important assignment the church does in our lives is to teach us. Feed us with knowledge. In fact, in the book of Timothy, he said the church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. And he says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Can somebody say an amen? Amen. Ephesians chapter 4. I close with that. Ephesians chapter 4. It was he who gave some apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some pastors and teachers. What are they to do? To prepare God's people. Somebody say prepare God's people. For works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up. Look at verse 13. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become what? Mature. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14. He says, Then we will no longer be infants. That's why God gave you a pastor. So you are no longer an infant in the faith. Because when you are, you are an infant, your situation is a very miserable situation. To be a spiritual infant is disastrous. Dangerous to be a spiritual infant. That's why you must desire to grow. As newborn babies desire the sincere make of the word, that you may grow thereby. Everybody, sometimes when I see people and they are not taking their spiritual life seriously, I really, it, I bleed within me, as it were. Because see, everybody wants to grow in every other area of their lives. So why is it that spiritually you don't want to grow? Don't you want to grow financially? You want to grow financially, don't you? You want to grow. Physically, you want to grow healthy and wise. And you think that your spirit will grow by itself. Bible said, as newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. Listen, no matter which area of growth, no matter which area of your life you grow, if you don't grow in your spiritual life, when crisis hit you, you can't survive. That's why you need spiritual growth. The Bible says in the book of the, uh, Proverbs chapter 24, verse 10, he said, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength, if you falter, uh-huh, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. And he's not talking about your physical strength. He's talking about your spiritual strength and stamina. And I pray that in this season of waiting on God, grace will come upon you. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Grace will come upon you. In the mighty name of Jesus. May grace come upon you to wait on God. I want you to pray this prayer. And say, Lord, help me to walk in the light of the revelation I've received about the church. Help me to walk in it. Help me. As I partake of your body and your blood. Help me to walk. And relate profitably to the church. Mago sagada bahandabra, rento calibra hande kesuze, bede 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 bede
If you are sick in any part of your body, any weakness whatsoever, as you partake of the communion, you are living with your anniversary gift. Healing and wholeness is coming to your body instantly. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your body and your blood. As we partake of it tonight, thank you that health and wholeness is our portion. Every weakness, anything called sickness or weakness in anyone's life, by the blood, I decree that they are terminated. In the name of Jesus, I proclaim instant healing and health for everyone called sick. Thank you for your touch. In Jesus' matchless name, amen. Fuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. To get a copy of this message and other messages as well as books by Pastor Fuakwa, please call 540 or 204 or email us at faithhousechapel at yahoo.com. Get interactive with Pastor Fuakwa on Facebook and Twitter. You can also also visit our website at www.faithhousechapel.com for any other information. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our two English services. 6.30 a.m. First service. 8.45 a.m. Second service. And on Wednesdays for our Word Encounter service at 6 o'clock p.m. At our church auditorium on the top floor of Nanaama Ejakuma Plaza. Opposite the Unity Oil Station. Santasi Roundabout. Kumase, Ghana. God richly bless you. Bye.